and welcome to the RC Sportscasting Podcast. I am your host, RC Junior, Rob Klingerman. And today we're going to be talking about Brandywine football along with some other football-related topics. Don't forget to check us out on our social media platforms on Facebook and also on Twitter, or should I say X now. I'm, I'm still trying to figure all that out. But uh, our guest today is, and by the way, we are live from Jay's, proud sponsor of Brandywine Football. And uh, so we are remote location. As normally we would do this out of my studio, which is basically my garage cave at my house. But uh, under the current situation of both of my children have moved back into the house, um, no longer empty nesters. I have both kids back at home, and my um, garage pretty much looks like a U-Haul, U-Box storage facility right now with cardboard boxes stacked to the ceiling. But it's all for a good cause in all seriousness. But joining me today is Brandywine football coach Justin Kinsey. Coach, welcome back to our podcast. It's great to be back. Thank you so much for having me again. So we are almost here. We are literally 48 hours from, well, no, I'm sorry, 72. I'm thinking today's Friday because I have tomorrow off. But uh, we're literally within three days of the season officially starting. As next, we're, this is Thursday as we're recording this. Football officially starts on Monday. And uh, I know nobody's more excited about Brandywine football than you. Oh, I can't so, wait. Yeah, cannot wait. But it's not like you guys have not been working. You guys have been busting your tail all summer long. You've had a very, very um, busy summer, a lot busier than last year. I mean, obviously, a year ago, we, we go back, we, mar- we, we roll the clocks back a year from right now. You're still getting acclimated, not only to just your job, you know, where your classroom's going to be. I yeah. mean, you had a lot of acclimating to do a year ago now not to mention put, getting your feet planted and, and running a football program. Now that a year in, so much different, D- just a whole different feel. Now you got to feel at home. This is where you're at. Tell us how this summer has been. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I know uh, like last year we talked about, you know, 2022 was basically year zero in the sort of Kinsey rebuild here. Um, I mean, just even as far, as far as in July, we didn't have lines painted on our practice field, and I don't I don't know who to call to, to get that done. Uh, you know, whenever I needed to get into the building for any reason, I didn't have keys to get into the locker room. Uh, I think it was the second or third week of June before I was even able to be with the kids because I was still teaching at Nile schools at the time. Uh, I had to wait for all of my paperwork to get done through Brandywine before I could be approved to do practice. So it was, yeah, I felt very much like a like a fish out of water uh, last season. Everything just happened so late into the process. Uh, this year, it's been it's been very different. I know even as far as going to all these scrimmages and all these joint practices, you know, now I'm, you know, right at home knocking on uh, knocking on Angelo's door and going to get keys for the vans and everything else. So it's 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 been uh, much much more comfortable this year. I feel like a uh, much more, much more of a routine. We talk about this summer. Um, I've been around campus and been very impressed with the turnouts. I think it seems like each as June, eh, you know, but I think a lot of that, you got to give the kids some leeway. They just got out of school, you know, then July hit, numbers increase, and now obviously we're into August. But here, especially here recently, like the last – I would say three weeks to a month. I, each time I come to see you or just to check things out or 
I'm obviously I'm I'm doing middle school now, and so I, being around there, it seems like every day there's more and more people. I, I'm seeing more vars, you know, at your level. So the numbers have have got to be got has to have you fired up. Yeah, really exciting. Uh, excited to see the amount of kids that we have out. I know, like you said, you know, coming from Indiana, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on it a little later. Uh, Indiana and Michigan are you know, night and day when it comes to, um, you know, the high, high school athletics and the amount of time that coaches have with their athletes. Um, but I know, like, this year, even like last year, there's kids that joined in August and they didn't know who the coach was. They didn't know what times practices were. At least now, you know, being in the building, I coached middle school track, so all of those darn eighth graders, every single one of them had a schedule of my football practices when they walked out of school at the end of June. Um, but it, it has been awesome to see the kids kind of coming out. And, again, you know, we have the, the football school T-shirts, which is a big tongue-in-cheek kind of poke at, you know, IU, Kentucky, and Kansas sell the football school T-shirts because they're obviously not football schools. And, and not um, to mention our basketball team went to the Final Four. Exactly. And that's and, and it is. It's, it's, so it's, nobody's it's, laughing at you more than Coach <laughs> Nate Knapp. Oh, for sure. It is. And he, he's, he was the first one but he's that a, said he wants one of the shirts. But nobody's a better sport than that than oh, Coach absolutely. Knapp. Oh, absolutely. And it's like we made a joke because, like, you know, one of the kids came up and said, you know, we're we're actually a basketball school. Wow, really? No, I had no idea. Thank you for telling me that we were. Yeah, no, it's a joke. The T-shirt is a is a joke, um, but it's exciting because especially like through the spring. I mean, you know, you got to or through the spring for the fall. You know, you look at the the sports that are available to to these student athletes in the fall, and you know, even these basketball players. You know, they spend the summer out in open gyms and shooting hoops, and that's fine. But once you get to August and September and October, like. You know, you've got soccer, which, I mean, that's a lot of running. Have you seen a soccer game? Like, if you're a 280-pound dude walking the halls at Brandywine, soccer soccer ain't exactly scratching the itch. Um, you know, and then cross-country, same thing. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally running without a ball. Um, so just, like, having these kids start to get excited. You, you, we got kids that are out there that, you know, like we, we had the conversation once before. We talked about Edwardsburg. Uh, you know, Edwardsburg has those numbers because that is a football. That is a true football school. If we – told these kids you can pick one sport which is what indiana does you can pick one sport and one sport only to focus on yep. we would lose darn near every single you're gonna have, we single, have you're gonna have single digit kids yeah and so what's happening now is just because they have a relationship with me they know who i am they see the energy around the program and so these kids that don't know anything about football are like hey man you know i'm not doing anything through the through the fall like why don't i try some football out even yeah. in, in in spring we were doing out of scene uh, out of season lifting and I had a tennis kid, a baseball kid, a wrestler. Like, these other kids are coming to work with us. And, like, that's awesome. I want that. I want these kids. Like, I want to break the record for percentage of three-sport athletes we have at Brandywine. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we might not be able to run a real complicated offense because of that. But at the same time, I mean, we've got kids that are pickup trucks, man. They're they're rugged, hard-nosed kids that are agile. They're, they're durable. Uh, and I love that atmosphere that we have at Brandywine. And when we talk about, you know, football not being their primary, that, that's to no fault of any. That's not, that's not a, a slap in your face. Oh. It's not a slap in the kid's face. It's just, I mean, it is what it is. You can bring Nick Saban in to coach Brandywine or coach wherever. I mean, it's just, like, you can't control who you fall in love with. Yeah. You know, you can't control what sport, you know, grabs you the most and just, you know, for the most part. And it's kind of always been that way at Brandywine. Not, it's not just Brandywine. There's many schools. I mean, there's not really – I really only feel that there's only two schools around this area where football is God, and at least in the southwest corner, and that is Edwardsburg and Lakeshore. Yeah, I'd and now even that. baseball. I, I would say now you can probably have that argument though at Lakeshore, because now I would think baseball is is, is pretty much converted. I mean, obviously, 
um, multiple state championship rings kind of yeah. <laughs> drive that home. So <coughs> it's to no fault of anybody's. It's oh, just, for sure. It's, it's the greatest line. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. You know, but as you said, at least have them come out. And that's what they still come out. I always said that, you know, the kids will still play football at schools like Brandywine. You're just not going to get yeah. them until August 1st. Yeah. August 1st, they'll be there, but you're not going to get them, you know, from April through July. But in August, they'll be there. When, yeah. when, when push comes to shove and they have to be there, they're there. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, we, we've had this conversation before about one of the guys on our team, Kevin Roberts, is probably one of the best examples. He's a kid. We're at a scrimmage, and he's like, hey, coach, why don't we run such and such? Why, you know, hey, you know, the defensive end is crashing real hard. Why don't we run such and such? It's like, Kevin, I love the fact that you know our system so well that you know exactly what our adjustments would be. Like, dude, it's the third week of July. We're not going to show this on film. You know, and it's, it is like we just – part of it is I, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to pace myself, and I have to understand, like, listen – we're going to run our base. We're going to be very basic. We're going to be, you know, very, very true to what our big five plays are here at Brandywine. We'll get cute when the season starts. We'll put the tricks in when we hit August. Um, but it is because, you know, we're going to get a bunch of bodies that show up on August 7th that haven't been to any of these practices. We've got to be able to start over with these guys. Um, you know, and, and if somebody shows up and wants to play Brandywine football, if I can't teach them to do, I mean, I'm not saying I can get them a Division One offer in a month. But if somebody shows up and says, hey, I want to play football, and I can't teach them one role in two weeks, that's on me. That's not on the kid. Um, and so I think that it is like it's, it's, it's fun to kind of see like these, now that we're in the second year, these kids that are kind of getting what the triple option is trying to do, you can see like they're kind of chomping at the bit like they, they want to go out there and get competitive. And it's like, man, you know, you got to, you know, pump the brakes. I understand. I'm glad you understand what our adjustments are. But we, we don't want to put this on film just yet. We'll make those adjustments in August. Uh, but it's exciting to see the guys kind of kind of buying in. You speak of Kevin Roberts. Um, he's obviously coming into his senior season. If that kid um, decides to not go to college and gets a job, you know, and, and does trades or whatever and stays local, you need to add that kid to your coaching staff <laughs> oh, the yeah. day after he graduates high school oh, because yeah. he has got coach written all over him. He is, oh, yeah. he is definitely one of those coaches on the field as, as a player – um, which is a huge asset to have right now as a coach to have him out there. Yeah. Um, but the kid just, just he, nat- I, I just see it from all yeah. my years of, of doing this. That that's one kid. Like I said, if if he doesn't go away to college, you need to grab him the day after grad. He walks down the aisle and gets his diploma and put him on your staff. Oh no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And I think too, you know, we've had the, I've had the same conversation with you know like Phil McLaurin graduated this this past year. Uh, you know, Mike Palmer going off to try and same thing. I've had the conversation with these guys. You know, I understand, you know, we only have room for so many assistant coaches. But at the same time, like, I would love for a guy like Phil McLaurin to, you know, do his thing, go graduate from college, come back and coach for a year or two. And then I hope Phil McLaurin goes off and coaches somewhere else. I hope Kevin Roberts comes and coaches with me for a year or two after he graduates and then goes off. I, like, I would love for these guys to go off and just get the bug for coaching um, and again, a lot of that is just, you know, I love football. I truly do. I love football. Football has given me the life that I have. And, you know, it, it's a sport that's under attack. You know, we had the, the Will Smith movie a couple of years ago and, you know, numbers have been dropping and everything else. You know, I, as, as an advocate for the game, have to do everything in my power to get these young people excited about coaching, get some of these young guys excited about when they're off at college. Man, what are you going to you gonna work 20 hours a week at a PetSmart cleaning hamster cages? Or, hey, why don't you go get an officiating license and go officiate some volleyball games or some soccer games and make a little extra money? Anything we can do to get these young people excited 
excited about giving back to education-based athletics, I think it has to be it has to be on the forefront, even more so than the X's and O's. It's keeping this game alive for generations to come, uh, and I think that 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 it really starts with those young guys identifying the guys that are like, yeah, you've got coach written all over you, dude. You gotta you gotta get into this when you when you get out of high school. So this summer, um, it's not just been weight room seven on seven. You you have gotten very integral. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about what we've done this summer. First off, the the camp, the TMT camp, yep. uh, which was a huge success. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So there, if you are in any way, shape, or form a fan of of high school athletics and you know high school football, uh, Bart Curtis is a name that everybody knows. Bart Curtis is a guy, Indiana Hall of Famer. Before you go, I got to say, as a Wallace grad, (laughs) I'm a little biased because I know he's the right now, he's the head coach of the Warsaw Tiggers, which was our arch rival. But so anyway, I got to throw a little stab in there, but I know that right now my Warriors are not really, their football program's been kind of down on the dumps here lately. But anyway, I, I had to, I had to hold my, yeah. I had to stay, stay to my roots real quick. But no, Mark's a great guy and, and more and a great coach, but even yes. a better dude. Yeah, and it is. Uh, Bart Curtis and his son, Michael Curtis. Even are, though he are, does yeah. wear the black and orange, he he's, does. A, he's a great dude. He does, but he is, I mean, he is, you see him on, on television and in interviews. I know, like, uh, Chuck Freebie will interview him, and they end up talking for 20 minutes about King Heroes. And, like, <laughs> I mean, he is just, he's like that in real life. He's just this extraordinarily exception guy, exceptional guy. Um, but he is, I mean, he is without any doubt he is one of the strongest advocates we have for education-based athletics in the midwest um you know if you google the triple option his videos are one of them he's one of the three or four guys whose names you see pop up all the time um and so what we've done is we've tried for years to try to you know even my my previous job we've tried to go down to, to tmt camp before it's a long story um but so this is the first year that we've actually been able to go to to a true team camp and the the whole purpose of the team camp is just nothing but triple option football um and i think our, our our we had a couple of players that went down there we were able to put together a full full squad which was a blast um we're the one school that's not allowed to wear shoulder pads that's a topic we'll touch on later as well mhsaa um but so we go down to this camp and the whole thing it's three days and because it's a camp i mean we were able to do classroom time we have walkthroughs. We have practice time. We're out there with Warsaw, who's a high school of 2,000 students. Fairfield, who's a high school of 650, 700. Uh, there's a school from Canada whose the kids were unbelievably massive. Two schools from Illinois. And it was just awesome to be able to be this little teeny country school from nowhere in the middle of Michigan and go down there. And, you know, we're competing against kids that are – we had a defensive end that we are competing against that we kicked out with one of our belly-down G plays. Kids going to Illinois. And it's like all of a sudden our kids are like, wow, hey, like these plays work against Division One defensive ends. Okay, cool. Um, but it was just a great team-building experience. Our guys got a ton of work in. Um, and it's awesome because I, I always joke and say that, you know, our, our school board should probably add the Curtises as a stipend because they do so much for us in the offseason. And it's not just the Curtises. I mean, Coach Thacker at, at Fairfield has – has been an unbelievable help to me through my career. Uh, Reggie Glan, who I coached under at Marion, who's done unbelievable things at Trenton. Um, that I mean, he's you know he goes to a little suburban school who's never had any success, and now all of a sudden they're you know banging with the big boys, and they were I think ten and one this year. Um, but so I think Bart Curtis is just one of those guys that you know he's he's just he's a better coach than me, and I've. I will always say, like, the day that I feel like I know it all and I don't need to keep getting better is the day I need to turn in my, my retirement paperwork. 
Um, but he's been just a huge, huge help to me professionally. And I think this year our, our guys that went down to that camp, um, you know, we didn't have a huge group of guys that went down, but now all of a sudden people are asking, hey, are we doing it again next year? Heck yeah, we're doing it again next yeah. year. And, you know, we're going to talk about trying to get some of our current seventh graders who will be eighth graders. We're going to try to get them down. Um, but it was just, it was a great experience for our kids. And I think too, um, you know, just to be able to stand as we're on the practice field watching Warsaw and Fairfield demonstrate these plays, it's like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a terrifying offense when you run it the right way. You, you know, and you mentioned with, with Coach Curtis and how he's <laughs> kind of like the, the area master of the flex bone, and, and it's kind of very similar to, you know, you can say the same with, with Coach Kevin Bartz of Edwardsburg. Of 100%. The, of the straight tee. Oh, absolutely. You know, and now yep. that he's retired, I'm really – granted, when someone retires, I wish nothing but the best and, and, and enjoy actual retirement, but yeah. I, I really would be shocked – if like Coach Bartz does not start, you know, doing clinics or at least being a consultant to schools um, that, you know, especially with new coaches coming into yeah. new programs and want to run that offense, and they're going to contact Coach oh. Car Kevin Bartz. Come show me how to oh, run this. One hundred percent. If Kevin Bartz is listening to this, I got a business proposition for you, buddy. Let me tell you, like, so spending eighteen years in Indiana, the the straight T is just not very well known in Indiana. Probably one <laughs> of the Dave Sharp is probably the first coach that ran it effectively. He was at Laporte, and he just mauled people at Laporte with it because people in Indiana aren't used to this. No, they're not. And it's like if if he were to put together a camp and. There's going to be coaches all over the Midwest that are like, you know, they're struggling. They're two and eight every year, one and nine every year. Like, let's go to a camp. Let's install an offense that's literally three plays and a counter. The blocking is the same for all of the plays. Let's just let these it's kids. It's designed exactly. for an inadequate offensive line. Exactly. I, I think, yeah, Coach, Coach Bartz, like, if, if, if you need a business partner, I got, a, I got an idea, yeah. buddy. We can make some money. So overall, though, the camp was, was a huge success. Oh, massive success, yep. Other than the fact we were the one program that wasn't allowed to wear shoulder pads, which was difficult. Um, so let, let's just get into that now. I mean, obviously, <laughs> off-season football, yeah. when, when we talk about with Michigan under the Michigan High School Athletics in Indiana, and, and talking to I used to work with a very good fr common friend of ours with Vic Cummings, who's yep. now the offensive coordinator at South Bend, Washington. And we used to work together at our 9-to-5 job, and, and he would be telling me all the stuff that they would do, and I was like – how in the hell can you guys do that? You know, it's like you're putting pads on, you're going 11 on 11. It's like, what? Yep. Yeah, it's it's wild. I know, and I, I love Coach Vick's great guy. He was my wide receivers coach at Riley my first year as an interim coach. Great dude. Um, and, again, even beyond a football thing, just what a, what a great role model for the young people of South Bend. I'm there so excited. There is nobody passionate, <coughs> more passionate yeah. about – High school football, yep. or actually just the game of football, oh, yeah. than Vic is. He's the guy that if he was in a plane that was crashing, he would have a smile on his face like, hey, look at the bright side, guys. Like, that's <laughs> just Vic. That's Vic. Um, but, I mean, just what a great dude. I'm so excited for And I for told Washington. you, yeah. we really wanted to have him on the podcast. A, he's right now, like I said, he's, a, he's the brand-new offensive coordinator at South Bend Washington. They're going until, like, they, they've already started this week. So he's, gonna, he's going for till about 9 o'clock at night. B, him and I are huge Diehard Chicago Bear fans, and every time we get together, sorry about that. We end up arguing about Bear. I, I always, I, I can't stand Eddie Jackson. They got to trade him, and he's going to be the biggest. At, he always, just like you said, he's always going to throw back a positive at oh, yeah, you, absolutely. no matter what. Yep. No matter what. Anyway. Yeah, but so he's, uh, yeah. So man, I, I, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. I lost my question. Um, but yeah, so I just think. Um, 
so in Michigan, and I understand the logic, but I think that, you know, we just even let, let's start from an acclimatization side view, view of this, right? Um, you know, through June and July, these kids are out there in helmets. And we have our kids, when we do conditioning, we have our kids in helmets for conditioning a lot because, again, like, you know, you're going to be wearing a helmet during a game. We have to get these guys used to, I mean, this, this isn't just cross-country. We're out running in a T-shirt, right? Like, you've got to be used to carrying all of this weight and all of this equipment. Um, and even just from a, from a heat aspect, you know, like, okay, let's, let's be allowed to wear shoulder pads and not hit each other. But, like, can, I, can my kids jog with shoulder pads? Right. Let's just get used to having the weight on our, on our bodies. Um, and then even, like, from a, it isn't just, like, we put on shoulder pads to tackle, right? If we're talking about being able to block effectively, there's only so much you can do on a, on a hand shield. You've got to be able to fit on somebody wearing shoulder pads. You know, if you look at a schedule of a, an average high school football team in Michigan, the amount of days that our kids are allowed to actually physically touch another player wearing shoulder pads is so limited that uh, you can't tell me that that's not leading to hand injuries, wrist injuries, um, just, you know, it, just from a safety. Like, I'm just from a pure safety standpoint, you know, just being able to wear. I'm not saying go to the ground in full pads and tackle each other, but just being able to practice blocking and block destruction and fitting on each other. It's not um, like we're running Oklahoma, you know, no. for, for three straight hours in June and July. No, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's got to come from an angle of, uh, of player safety. Because I think, too, like there's a lot of programs, like even us, us up here in Michigan, you know, we can take a lot of the rugby tackling where, you know, these guys are tackling each other on bags with no pads and no helmets. You know, you can do a lot of that stuff in the off season, And I think that that stuff's great. Any, anything we can do to make this game safer um, – but the uh, yeah the the shoulder pads are definitely a big issue for us. I just I I, I I'm gonna do my best to try to you know get up to Lansing and just talk to some people and see if I can get some coaches together. That's one of those rules that we here in Michigan really. I mean, it is like for people that aren't big football folks, it would be like imagine if basketball wasn't allowed to touch an actual basketball until you know right. the, the the week before the season started. It just it doesn't make any sense. Like I can I can a hundred percent understand. You can't shoot. You can only run sprints or whatever. You can't shoot. You can't you can't yeah. shoot a three pointer. You can't take a layup. Yeah, and I can understand like you know, hey, you're not allowed to go thud on each other until uh, until August. I I'm a hundred percent in favor of that. But it is, it's just from a safety standpoint, you know, just let our kids wear shoulder pads to get used to having shoulder pads on. Let our kids, you know, get used to form-fitting and blocking on each other. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the way that the spread and the RPO has taken over the game of football, there's probably not a lot of run-first coaches out there that are advocating for it. Uh, but it, it's definitely something that we need to look at here in Michigan. And every state in the area has changed. We're just the last ones. There's got to be a reason. You know, Illinois just changed a year or two ago. Indiana made the rule change a couple years ago. There's got to be a reason that they're doing it, but we're not. I, I just, I, I really think even to like just take the football performance aspect out of it completely out the window, just from a player student safety aspect you know I, I don't want to pilot I don't want to get on an airplane with a pilot it's like hey I've only flown for 12 hours so I'm good and fresh I would rather have a pilot that's got some experience right uh, it's kind of the same idea just anything we can do to get these guys these these student athletes more experience it's just got to make the game a safer game speaking of rules um, I do have to ask obviously in the last couple of years we've kind of weaned in the whole with the five-quarter rule to mm -hmm. where you can JV players are allowed to both be placed, get some varsity time, not to mention being then also being eligible to play in their JV game. 
did they finally make the full conversion switch to like Indiana is to where now a Michigan uh, JV football player can play all special teams on Friday night and not and that does not count towards it where so he can be on every special teams and still be a f- fully eligible for the entire JV game. Did that happen this year? No. Uh, oh. it, it did not. I know. And that's frustrating. And I think, like, we have a great example. I've got a, a, a freshman, a young man who's going to be – he was an eighth grader. He's now a ninth grader. And he is just as a 14-year-old athlete, he is a gifted long snapper. And that might not seem like a big idea, but let me tell you guys out there, any of you guys that have young kids, go out – every every dad is out there throwing the ball with their kid right now. Go out there and long snap because long snapping is easy money. If you want to go to college and get your college paid for, you go to these, I forget the name of the camp, like Chris Saylor has his kicking camps. There's a long snapping camp that's attached to that. Long snapping is the dream gig. All you got to do is be able to get a nice, tight little long snap 14 to 15 yards back to that punter, and your college is paid for, right? So this kid is a really, really talented long snapper, and we have to find somebody else that can long snap for him because he's got to be our, our, our JV center. So he can't go and long snap in the first and second quarter of a varsity game because you'll burn his quarters. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's another one that, again, I, I, to my knowledge, we're the one state in the area that has that rule. Um, and I think, again, like, let's just take this from uh, – take the football out of it, just look at it from a, a player safety rule, right? We are, as a state – we're battling to fight against the, the, the trend of numbers, right? Kids aren't playing high school sports. I know this last year we saw a huge uptick in numbers, which is great. Um, but just as, as a state and as a nation, we're battling to get these numbers up. We have schools all over our area that last year were playing JV-only schedules as a lifeboat to try to get their varsity program back together. We have schools that are bigger than us playing eight-man instead of 11-man. Um, and so if we want to try to get numbers up, like – for a school that's only got 25 or 30 players, you know, to have that kid, he's got to be the starting, maybe he's the starting quarterback, okay, great. And then that means he's got to be the starting free safety, okay, great. And then he's also going to be the L3 on kickoff, okay, awesome. Then he's going to have to be one of the personal protectors or a gunner on punt, okay, cool. At some point, wouldn't it be safer to get these kids off the field for a couple of snaps like I mean if I can take it you got to trust us as coaches I'm not going to put a 14 year old kid who is not ready to to go out and play with 18 year olds I'm not going to put a kid like that on the field but if I've got four or five you know freshmen or sophomores who are JV players maybe they're a JV starting lineman so I need them for four quarters of JV but then I can also take that kid and I can give them a couple of reps under the lights, get them excited. Those are moms and dads that are up in the stands taking pictures of their kid out on the field on Friday night. Those are plays that my seniors and juniors who are tired and sweating and bleeding, they get to come off the field and get a little sip of water and get a breath for a couple of seconds. Like it, Just getting more bodies involved in the game is going to make this a safer game. That's that's you look at these teams that have 20 to 25 players. Those are the teams that are in this bad situation because those kids can't come off the field. You know, we had last year we were playing cast. God bless cast. Some of those are some of the most hard nosed kids we've played against. And, you know, we would have we had a kid that got hurt and he came off the field and there was a kid that was kind of half limping onto the field to replace him. Like, There's only so many bodies they have over there. Like, We need to do more things to try to encourage participation and you know, just being able to get that kid off the field. So, hey, man, I don't need you to do kickoff. I don't need you to do punt. When it's special teams on PATs, I can get you off the field on PATs. 
Um, just anything we can do to, 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 to make it a safer game and a more accessible game well, is going to be a plus. Just looking at your specific situation, um, let's just take Carter Sebecki. You know, he's one of your number one studs on the, on, on the team this yep. year. And obviously you want to keep him as fresh as possible for yeah. both offense and defense. Mm -hmm. But yet he's such a valuable asset that it's like you can't afford – I mean – Though that that's where it's so beneficial for to, if they had this rule like everybody else has to where that's where you know and I've always said you know is if you're starting on both sides of the ball you really you shouldn't be on special teams you know yeah. I mean but sometimes it's just it is what it is and yeah. and he's such a valuable asset that it's like you know especially from a kickoff man you got to have him on kickoff I mean yeah. the dude can hit like a truck I mean he, he's not going to miss a tackle. You know, I mean, it's a difference between, you know, pinning somebody inside the 30-yard line or they're taking it to the house. I mean, that's, you know, because it's either him or you got to throw a freshman or a soft, an inadequate, you know, no disrespect to them. or in, I shouldn't say inexperienced. Yeah, they're not physically ready for it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's where it really comes at a school this size. Um, and, I mean, we're still not that. I mean, compared to a lot of our schools around, we're not – I mean – Yes, when you go across the state line, you know, and you look at all the area yeah. teams, Brandywine seems small, but when you come across, and, and you know, you pretty look, good size school. You look at New Buffalo, right. you look at Bridgman, you look at River Valley, you look at all these other schools. Yeah. Brandywine's not that small. They're, you know, they're they're fairly right there and smack in the middle yep. around this area. Compare, I mean, now, yeah, if you go to the Detroit area, that's a whole other topic. But, yeah, um, yeah it's. I, I really thought that they were going to – that was going to be incorporated this year because I, th I thought they were going to do the one year, the five-quarter, and then, bam, roll it right in, you know, to where they'd be on special teams. So that, that is disappointing. Yeah. And I think, again, a lot of us is just – and this is on us as, as coaches and as educators. Um, you know, we need to take a little time this, this off season after football season is done. And, you know, I'll send a couple of emails out, and I'll try to find some uh, – I'm in the, the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association – um, I was very, very active in the the IFCA, which is the Indiana. Essentially, it's it's for lack of a better term, it's basically like the union of all of the head football coaches in Indiana. We have the same thing in Michigan. It just it doesn't appear to be as active as the one in Indiana was. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, like these guys that are that are running and making the decisions in Lansing, they just they need to hear from us that you know this isn't like, hey man, I'm I, I want to do this because this is going to make me on par with some national, you know, De La Salle right. kind of program. Like, it, we've just we've got to be able to put this together and say, hey, listen, we're trying to keep our sport alive. This is a safety issue. You know, we want to try to get more more young people out here excited about football. Um, I think we just we just need to do a better job of, of selling it. You know, I think that the people who are the decision makers just maybe aren't hearing it from us enough. Well, <clears throat> if anything proved that they will listen, that is as far as the MHSA – go back to COVID mm -hmm. because they tried to cancel the season. Oh, and absolutely. All the parents rallied together yeah. and the parents, literally the parents of the state of Michigan mm -hmm. saved football that year. We missed our first three weeks. We only ended up having a six week, you know, season that year, yeah. but still they kept fighting. They did not give up. So it just proves to you that they will listen. Oh, the absolutely. The MHSA will yeah. listen. And so that now instead of the parents, it's a matter of, the coaches, if, if all of you are in favor of this, yep. you know, that, that's the one silver lining, I guess, is that they've proven that they will listen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's that, that's a great example. I know, you know, that COVID year, we dealt with the same thing, you know, down in, you know, down in Indiana. You know, we had, God, I was I was a four and six football team that, that COVID year. And I, I have no idea how, like, we we had in that county, in St. Joe County in Indiana, we we weren't allowed to, we, our kids couldn't use footballs. So like our quarterbacks couldn't pass balls to each other, couldn't hand off balls to each other. We weren't allowed to, to do any drills with each other there. We had to have our kids in like little four man pods. So if somebody had a positive test, only those four would be, you know, kicked out and everybody else would still be there. And it was just like, I mean, again, from we basically, we went to an offense, we had three plays in the playbook and, you know, we just got smoked by people on a regular basis but it's like oh my god our, our kids haven't we can't hand a ball off if we hand a ball off it, it's it's a violation of the health code um yeah it's it's just it was insane how you know obviously at the time you know i think looking back there's some decisions that were made that were probably not the right decision but we had to make the decision you know for the for the sake of the health and safety uh, but I think that that's a great example, you know, because Michigan was, you know, we in Indiana, it was there was never a question that we were still going to have football season. And I do remember that whole time the conversation was, you know, hey, I, they, I know California, great example. California basically did Nick's football season completely. And now we see what's happening in California is these like essentially like travel club football teams are popping up. And now kids are opting out of high school football to go play club football instead so it was it was awesome that the MHSAA and the MDOE or the MDE, um, you know, made the decision basically to you know, hey, you know, yes, health and safety is important, but at the same time, you know, these kids like, you know, it's, it's, football is also important. This isn't a, a meaningless enterprise. This isn't a waste of energy. This isn't an, a waste of talent. That you know, football and, and education-based athletics in general have a benefit to our society as a whole. They have a benefit to these young people. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely hats off to, to them for, you know, they had the political pressure from one side, but then they heard the communities loud and clear, and they did allow, you know, you had some games out there in the middle of some really bad conditions, but gosh darn it, you had games. <laughs> so, you know, got, so, yeah, definitely hats off to them for that. Okay, I got to give you kudos. Last week you did a thing which I, I, I love, and I wish it would have been done a lot sooner. Um but uh, it, it was great. I wish I would have come to watch it. But um, you had a little mom camp with the, with the football moms. We did, and yes. And tell, tell our listeners, I mean, this, this is awesome. I love it. I'll let you take it from here. But uh, mom, mom's got a little uh, piece of the action last week. Yes, they did. And mom's camp, it was our inaugural mom's camp. We're going to have our second annual next year. This is going to be a thing that we're going to do every year. Uh, basically, the moms got to come out. Uh, they were run through a practice coached by their position coaches and their student athletes were, you know, holding shields, helping to coach them along. So it was fun. We had, you know, Caden Reith, our, our starting quarterback this year, his mom's out there and, you know, Caden Reith was coaching up mom on how to be a quarterback. And, how, to read, you know, how to read the DN or it, outside linebacker exactly. for the read option. Yep. We, we taught the moms how to run the triple option, the inside veer play. We taught them why we do it. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was we we told the kids originally, you know, first of all, like you know, we're gonna have fun. If any of these moms look like they can help us on Friday night, we're gonna get them some some pads. Did they wear equipment at all? So they didn't during the actual practice, but then at the end of practice, so still Michigan rules. Our our, our athletes were just wearing helmets uh, and holding hand shields, but then we put the moms in helmets and shoulder pads, and yes. we let them tackle their kids onto a tackle mat, which was it was it was a lot of fun. I think uh, the the best part was these moms were then commenting on the videos later. 
like, gosh, it felt so much more athletic when I was doing it. And then they watched the video and they realized it didn't actually look that impressive. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. I know some of the kids were, I, I love one of our juniors, Tommy Killalay was just chirping at his mom the whole time. And he's like, Tommy, mom is, mom is going to take it out on you. Mom's well, going to, mom's going to remember this. I know one mom that I uh, do not want to mess with. And that is one Sarah die. Oh yeah. She, no, she showed up. She's an go. athlete. She was in full athletic apparel, had the headband on, like she was ready to go. And she was excited because she didn't get to just jack one kid. She got to jack, jack two. two kids. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. We had a great experience. I know I told the moms the, the running joke was we don't do a dad's camp because the dads already know more than me anyways. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> Nicely I'm done. I'm just, just joking, dads. Um, but yeah, keep, keep, the, keep the recommendations and suggestions coming from the stands. That's fine. Uh, but the moms, we were just, you know, it was just it was a great night to be able to go out and, and have some fun and blow off some steam. And, you know, I, I say all the time, like, listen, I know that this is, this is not a, a super, you know, popular thing for a football coach to say. But, like, listen, we get it. We look at the other schools that are playing Division Seven football in the state of Michigan, and we understand that there are a lot of very large hills that we need to climb before we get to Ford Field. The goal of me as a football coach can't be – we're going to, you know, we're going to win a state championship this year. Hey, I want to hang banners. I want to stack little wooden mittens in a trophy case. That's what I want to do. But at the end of the day, like, I want to focus on giving these young people, you know, they have four years of high school football, and it's over. They can go out and shoot hoops with their buddies. They can join that softball league on Tuesday nights. They can play volleyball. They can go golf. When football is over, it's it is over. It is over. You it's never over. and you never get it back. So anything I can do where these guys can be, you know, thirty-five years old and they're at Christmas with their kids and they're telling the story like, "Hey, do you know Grandma tackled me at football once back in August?" Yeah. You know, just that—that's what it's all about. Is just giving these guys experiences. When, when you are an NFL coach or even a collegiate coach, yes, you are paid to win games mm -hmm. this is my own opinion but as a high school whether you're the head coach or clear down to middle school or whatever your job is to develop these young men and boys and and help not take over as parents but you are you are your main job I, in my opinion is your number one job is to use the game of football to teach life lessons yeah uh, to, that they can carry forward into becoming a young man and then to a, and, and to a father, a dependable employee for their employer, a husband, use all of that. That, to me, in my opinion, is the number one priority of a high school football coach because you're, you're, you're just a teacher extended out of the classroom, onto the field. But that's how I feel that a high school football coach or JV football coach, rocket football, junior high, whatever the level is, you are trying to help these parents. And, and in some aspects, you know, that might be the only father figure that they have. Is And, not and I'm not just talking football. I'm talking in any sport. Any sport, yeah. Because there are, unfortunately, there are a lot of great families out here that have the traditional family, but there's also some that don't. And playing sports might be the only option where they might actually have that father figure in their life. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, and again, the studies are out there. This is not Coach Kinsey talking. This is the, the, the educational community in general. The data is out there. The studies are out there. You know, students that are involved in extracurriculars, whether that's drama club, band, student government, it doesn't matter. The students that just show up and they punch a clock and they're there from first hour to last hour and then they go home, 
statistically speaking, those students don't have the same graduation rates and success rates as the students that are involved in extracurriculars. I mean, we can tell you, you know, again, obviously you can't, can't give names or exact examples, but you know, we see all the time students that maybe they play a fall sport and they play a spring sport, but they don't have a winter sport. And so those two or three months that they're not doing anything through the winter, there's not an adult looking over their shoulder and parents. I mean, you guys have your, 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 your slates full, right? You can do everything you can as a parent, but from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. when they're at school, you can't be there every single day. So just having a coach, having a teacher, somebody that's there looking out for them, doing the daily grade checks, you know, we would get kids all the time that they'd do a fall sport, they would do a spring sport, but because they weren't doing anything through the winter, all of a sudden they get to the start of the spring season and they're scrambling. Kind of fall off the radar a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they're scrambling to try to get themselves back eligible. Um, and so anything we can do to, A, we want the parents to see that there's a value to this. You know, I want these, I hope that these moms that showed up to this mom's camp talk about it to the other moms so that more moms are like, hey, I'm, I'm going to come to this mom's camp because I, I, I want to tackle you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think that it just it does show that the, the, the end product is always going to be to have, you know, the, the product in the community, the product in the classroom. Um, and so anything we can do to make the experience not just fun for the kids, because we obviously want the kids to have a great time. We want the athletes to have a blast. We want the athletes to come out. But I want the, the parents, I want the families to get something out of this as well so that, you know, when they're driving their kids to that 12 a.m. midnight madness practice, they can see that there's a reason for it, you know, that there's, there's a direct benefit there. Um, yeah, so it, it's definitely, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a tall task. It's a lot to ask, and I think that, you know, it's it, it's our society has so many problems in general, and gosh darn it, you know the the football locker room is one of those places. I think we still we still got it right. You know, we got smart kids, dumb kids, fat kids, athletic kids, not so athletic kids. But you know, every one of those kids in that locker room has to do their job in order for things to go right. You know, in any other sport, you can get by with one stud athlete. In you know, if you're a softball team and you got a pitcher who's unbelievable, you're going to be just fine. If you're a basketball team and you got one kid who's unbelievable, that one kid can carry you a long way. But in football, like, if you don't have 11 players who are out there who are going to bust their butts for each other and who truly do love each other, you ain't going to get real far. No, nope, nope, absolutely. Another thing I've noticed um, coming to summer activities is you got a lot of new faces on the staff. I see yes. a, lot of, a, lot of new, a lot of new people with, base, uh, with hats and wearing whistles. Why don't you uh, talk about some of our new staff members? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the big, not not necessarily a new face, but one of our big changes, um, I got Gage Nears Wiki, who was on our staff last year. He was our D-line coach and our JV head coach. Um, coach Gage is going to be my defensive coordinator this year, which is a huge, huge compliment because everybody knows I'm a flex bone guy. I am a defensive coach first and foremost. My entire career, I've coached defense. The reason I run the flex bone is because I'm a defensive guy. Like I, I coach the offense like a defensive coach. Um, and so he's just done such a great job um, that I, I decided to kind of hand off the uh, hand off the defense and let him sort of run the show there. Um, but he's a great guy. He went to high school at New Prairie, uh, went to college at Marion University, you know, works in the community. Uh, just a great guy. The kids love him to death. Uh, and so, you know, basically giving him the whistle and letting him run the defense is probably the first big major change. Before you go any further, obviously I was helping you out last year, and I've got to know Gage of last year, and I can contest to that. These kids will run through a freaking brick wall for this guy. Oh, absolutely. They, they love him to death. It's kind of like, like a big brother type thing, and, and the kids will literally run through a brick wall for him. 
Yeah, it, it's awesome. So that's one of the big big changes. Uh, then we have so we got a couple new coaches. Uh, we've got um, so we've got Colin Babcock uh, who's going to be helping out with the defensive backs. He's been doing a great job with us. Um, I know we've got Stephen Moore who's helping us out now. He's you know a guy. He was a, a quarterback for us at Adams back when I coached there. When Brian Burkhart and Elmer Britton, another Hall of Famer. Uh, very eccentric dude. I got I got some Elmer Britton stories. Holy cow! Uh, but he, so he was our quarterback back in the day. Um, so he's going to be helping us out this year. Uh, obviously, we had some changes on the uh, middle school staff. Uh, Sean Mott was one of our middle school coaches last year, and as we've talked about before, uh, Sean and Jeff Mott have split off now, and they are starting. We have a Pop Warner organization here in in Brandywine. We currently have three teams. We're still looking for some little guys. So if you are out there in the community. You've got a second grader, first grader, guys. Like it is, it is barely recognizable as football. But these kids are out there having so much fun. I yep. mean, we were doing tackling drills with these kids, and it was it was the most fun. Even just getting these kids their helmets fitted and helping them getting their helmets strapped up, and they're talking to me about their Superman shoes, and you know, it's just it, it's adorable. If you are in the community and you have a young person, a first grader or a second grader, like there's no sport other than football. You, at that at this age level, your kid ain't gonna get hurt. It's 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 just such a great team building experience. I, I strongly encourage you guys to, you know, to get in touch with one of us and, and get involved in Pop Warner. Um, and so obviously, you know, uh, so who is, wait, who is my new head middle school coach? Man, who you is gonna that, by wa- the way? I tell you, that's. I th- keep that, forgetting his name. That middle school staff, man, that's going to cause you headaches, man. He's, that guy, I tell you. So. Yeah. So, but no, you have done a phenomenal job. Uh, if anything else, and again, like, I don't care if you win one game or you win all the games, you have got the young people excited to be out there. And we're running an offense that is going to be it, – it's its fun and easy for our kids because it's basically three blocking schemes and that's it. Uh, it lets our athletes, like once you have the ball in your hands, do you, boo, just you know, find a hole and go. Uh, and it's its its going to be something that other defenses have a lot of trouble getting ready for. Um, it uses the same – it's not the flex bone, it's not the triple option – but it uses the same blocking rules. So then I, as a high school coach, get to watch and be like, hey, look at how this kid down blocks. Look at the, how this kid veer releases. You know, it's going to give me a really good opportunity to kind of assess the skills that these guys have when they come up to the high school level. Um, but it is, it, it's exciting. I, I think that there's there's a, a genuine buzz around Brandywine football. And it has nothing to do with, you know, oh, man, this is the year we go all the way. We're going to go undefeated. We're going to, you know, beat Lumen Christie by 50 points. Man, it has nothing to do with that. The kids are just excited because we've, we have from top to bottom, from the little first graders and second graders all the way up to the guys that are seniors in high school, you know, these guys are having a, a really, really good time uh, being a Bobcat. And I think that's what, it, what it's got to be all about. And I think as long as we focus on that and keep that going, the results on the field will take care of themselves. They, I really believe. All right, let's let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, <coughs> let's get away from high school football yes. and let's talk a little college football. Okay. Um, and and first one, let, let's go to the the negative aspect because I know um, this program and this coach is near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is Coach Fitz from Northwestern. Yep. And what what has happened? I mean, I mean, it's just, oh, it's ugly. Yeah. It's it seems like it's opening cans of worms everywhere your thoughts on not necessarily you know what specifically has happened with coach Fitz and, and the Northwestern program but the whole hazing thing in general yeah because it just seems obviously it happens everywhere mm-hmm. um, but there's a difference between sticking a kid in the locker 
you know, obviously, I mean, I've, I've been around high school football for over 10 years, and I've never seen anything to where it's crossed any line at all. Yeah. But obviously it has at the collegiate level. Yeah, and I think, again, this is one of those situations. It, it's such a new scenario. I just keep thinking to myself, guys, like, before we cast any judgment or make any assumptions, go out, get on. I'm, I'm sure it's on Netflix or it's on Disney+. Plus. Go watch the 30 for 30, the ESPN film Fantastic Lies about the Duke lacrosse case. And it took, there was a year, a legitimate year to a year and a half that there's not one person in America that thought anything then we need to put these kids in a hole, lock the key, and never never see them again. Like, these kids don't deserve to be a part of society. They're monsters. This is ridiculous. And then the day that those prosecutors and attorneys went before the judge and you realized like oh my god hang on like this was all made up like none of this is real I still think that there is going to be a lot more that comes out in this situation that being said you know from a, a an employer employee perspective man Northwestern had to can him I mean they had to I, they I love I love but coach Fitz I think he's here the here's my dude. here's my issue with it and I and I get I, I realize that you just cannot gut your entire staff and bring it, you know, with being the timing of it and you're already in camp and, and you're literally inside of – when this all went down, you're literally inside of two months from, from week one of your season starting. But what really gets me is that obviously in talking Fitz, um, Fitzgerald and, and Northwestern specifically is he's the one that gets canned, but yet all the other assistants – Yeah, nobody else – remain on staff and I guarantee you they knew more oh, yeah. than what Fitz did but yet they keep their jobs and one of them even then gets promoted to the interim head coach and and like I said yeah. I get that you just can't fire them all you yeah. know you can't do a Donald Trump and, and you're yeah. fired and start but it's like man I, I, yeah. I just don't get how he obviously he took the blow but you can't tell me that the further down you go, his his totem pole of coaches, the more they knew what was going on. Because the lower you go, the closer they are to the players. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, you know, at the collegiate level, you know, those those head coaches are they're CEOs of corporations. You know, they don't directly coach the players. They don't run films. You know, they come in for the beginning of practice and give the the rah-rah marching orders at the beginning of the practice. They're the face of the program. But then for those two hours, two and a half hours that the players are on the field, Coach Fitz is not, your head coach in general is not responsible for directly coaching those things. I know like even at Notre Dame, I know Brian Kelly was very affiliated with the quarterbacks and he did a lot of direct hands-on stuff. If you were a defensive tackle at Notre Dame, you could probably go weeks without even seeing Brian Kelly, right? And so it's the same situation. And I think it's it's probably a good parallel to talk like the whole Penn State thing, right? Mm-hmm. So Joe Pa got fired, mm-hmm. but Sandusky also went down with it. And I understand, like, lo and behold, then, you know, you look down the road, and it turns out that maybe Joe Paterno wasn't as culpable as possible. But, again, he was the head coach. He's, you know, it's his program. The program failed. The, the system failed. The head coach has to go down. But for there to be literally not one assistant coach, 
it's just it, it, it just it's baffling. Yes. I think that it really does. It speaks to just we we live in a completely different culture and a completely different society. And I still think you know even you know it, he was going to be suspended, and it was that that student paper at Northwestern that just wouldn't let it go. And I, you got to understand, like if you're Northwestern, if you are the president, the provost, the the, the board, all of the the trustees at Northwestern, you know you are not concerned with winning the national championship you're not trying to go to you know the, the to, to the rose bowl every year you're just happy to have a team that's got a great gpa and is out there being competitive you know it isn't like it isn't like notre dame you know notre dame can go you know eight win seasons and they fire their head coach at northwestern if you win eight games they'll build a statue of you out front correct and so i think that it was just a decision that was made like hey listen this is this is evanston this is not exactly you know red-blooded, you know, pickup truck driving, shotgun-toting America. This is a pretty, you know, a, a, a pretty uh, progressive area of, a, of America. And I think that they understand, like, listen, you know, yeah, Coach Fitz is great for the football program, but this whole thing is going to drive enrollment down. This is going to stop donations. This is going to scare off alumni. Uh, so I, I get that they had to make they had to make the move. I get it. I love Coach Fitz. I think Coach Fitz is – I still – I firmly believe. I think he's one of the best dudes in football. I really believe that. Um, but I, I think that they had to part ways just because he would have been such a distraction for the university as a whole. But for them to then be like – Nope, nobody else is going down. It was all coach fits, 100% coach fits. None of the assistant coaches. I mean, even like, you know, this thing about, oh, the, the Shrek's list and we were going to run people and runs giving. Like, do you think coach Fitz was out there with a whistle running those things? Like, I mean, it is like, again, as a head coach, it's your responsibility to know those things. But if he knew them, he wasn't out there with the whistle running it, right? There's some other assistant coach that was doing it. There's somebody else that was, however guilty Fitz is or isn't, there's somebody else that's more guilty, and for them to just completely blow that over, it just it, it, it screams of CYA, that they're just trying to make this go away. Yeah, for sure. The other thing with college football that is now is just is getting, in my opinion, completely out of hand is, well, not to mention the NIL and the transfer portal. Yeah. But that can that, that's a whole other topic for another day. That's a whole podcast by itself. Oh, 1,000%. And this one kind of is really, too, but – with this whole conference realignment. And now that I hear, obviously, USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten, and now they're talking about Oregon and Stanford. <laughs> I think and I I'm saw, like, yeah. oh, my God, enough is enough. I mean, this is the one that I think the only one that I've seen that, that I've agreed with is Colorado pulling out of the Pac-12. And yeah, going that's back. a good fit. They, they, yeah. That's where they need to be. But this whole – and. It's it's driving me absolutely insane, just from the geographic standpoint. It makes yeah. it makes zero sense. And Coach Kinsey, I have, and I th I have this. I have the ultimate floor plan, the ultimate okay. outline for college football. Love right it. here, there right here. Yep. I'm gonna I, and I'm gonna save this because I'm gonna turn this in to the NCAA. But Let this, know. right here, I have 72 teams that in college football that would be eligible and considered for a national championship. This is what I think this needs to happen. This, this is my proposal. So are you ready for this? I'm, I'm ready okay. for it. Let's see. So it. we're going to do away. I mean, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're doing away with our normal S the good old SEC, you oh, know, the good old boys yeah. football, the ACC, the Big Ten, which is now the Big Ten's the 
the Big yeah. 16 or whatever. I mean, you can't really call yeah, it big. The, the Big the 10 numbers, had 12. The Big 12 it's, it's had 10. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it, it, it just no makes sense. zero sense. And where it really started is like when, the, when, when West Virginia like joined the Big 12, that I thought was a stretch. Yeah. And now you have two California teams coming to yeah. – the Big Ten, the Midwest. Like all of a sudden, West Virginia doesn't sound so bad. Like, you so, guys can smell the ocean from here, and you're joining the Big 12. Cool. So okay. here is my proposal, Coach Kinsey. Okay. We are going to take 72 teams, all right, and we are going to form them into six major conferences. Okay. We're going to have the North, whether you call it the great, the Big North, the Big South, the Big East, the Big West. The Whatever cent- you call them. The Central, and then we're even going to have an independent side. Okay. Okay. So here we go. So here, so for the North, this is the big North. Here's okay. my teams. And, and I'm sorry, there's 12 teams in each conference. Okay. Okay. So for the big North, I have Notre Dame. I have Michigan. I have Ohio State. Michigan State. Pitt. Okay. Kentucky. Wisconsin. Minnesota. Purdue. Penn State. Illinois. And Cincinnati. Okay. That, that is my big north. Okay. Okay. That'd be a fun conference. Now let's go to the flip side, yeah. north, south. Here's the big south. Miami, Florida State, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Georgia Tech. Okay. Mix a little bit. I mean, it's a mix can't up be, a little bit, yeah. It can't, that's pretty much a, a half. I'm, I'm interested half about Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I'm interested Tennessee to see was kind of hard. Tennessee there. was yeah. kind of hard. Okay. So there, there's my south. There's my okay. 12 teams in the Big South. In the East, the Big East, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson, South Carolina, Boston College, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Maryland, West Virginia. Wake Forest, and Louisville. That's the new Big East. Okay. The Big West. Okay. Obviously, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon State, Stanford, Utah, pretty much your traditional, what it has been. Add Boise State in there, BYU, and Cal. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just processing yep. right now, not responding, so just now, processing. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Now we go to the central. I didn't, I didn't know if we wanted to call it the Great Plains. The, well, let's just call it the central. Something, yeah. Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa State, Colorado, Missouri, Kansas State, and Baylor. Wow, that, okay, that would, that be, would be kind of the central part of the United States. That'd be interesting because you got some teams I, there I'm that doing this completely yeah. from a geographic standpoint. Yeah. But you got a team like. Bunch of teams from the old, uh, the Big 12 that don't typically play defense. Yes. You got a team like Iowa that doesn't exactly play offense. Like, okay, let's let's yeah. put these two on a field together. And let's so see now what we kind of okay. deal with all the redheaded stepchilds of yeah. all these. <laughs> They've got to fit somewhere. Got to fit the somewhere. Island so, of Misfit so Toys I just kind of label this as our as our new independent conference. Gotcha. Okay. So I have Texas Tech. Okay. I have Kansas. I have Northwestern. Um, I have uh, Duke, Vanderbilt. Houston, Rutgers, Indiana. I hate saying that. But yeah, they're just, not. Yeah, a, you know, Washington State, and then our military schools, Air Force, Army, and Navy. Navy, gotcha. Okay. So those are the north, south, east, west, central, and independents. That is 72 yep. teams. So then you can take those, split them each into like a six-team division to where they got to least play 
their five of the out of their twelve game regular season, they got to play their five, obviously guaranteed. Maybe mix in a couple more from the other side, and then get some non con You can kind of do the. Yep. The, the regular season kind of as you were, and then that obviously when you have them split six and six, that aligns you for your conference championship. Yep. So then we're going to have six conference championships. Yep. Champions okay. from you, this. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So now with six, then you seed them regardless. Uh, one and two you're, get a You're going to take one through six. So, yes. So the number okay. one and the number two seeds, they get buys. So <laughs> – then we use our current bowl system as the playoff structure. That's perfect. This, is, this is where a lot of people are going to totally disagree with me. This is where I'm probably going to lose people. But where I'm kind of wanting I'm, – I'm an old schoolist. So, ultimately, so for the first round, we're going to have the Cotton Bowl. The three and the six seed are going to play in the Cotton Bowl okay. in Dallas, Texas, in the house that Jerry built. Then the four and five seed will play in the Fiesta Bowl out in Arizona. I want – the one team. That's a good. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a good place to have a have a I game. I originally yeah. wanted to say the Mercedes Dome in Atlanta, but I thought, you man, you can't. That. You you got. Yeah, yeah you but save you, that. I'm thinking, man, but Fiesta Bowl has <laughs> been there a lot longer. I mean, yeah. they've been playing in Arizona a lot longer than the. the I think the Mercedes. That's that's where you're going to have one of the ch- the conference championships. Yes, I was going to say the same okay. thing. Yeah. So those are that's your first round games. But like. The wild cards, if you will, if you want to relate to professional football. Yep. So then the winners of those, so now the winner of that 6-3 seed is going to play the number one seed in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then the winner of the four and five seed in the Fiesta, they will then take on the number two seed in the Sugar Bowl. And then obviously then those two winners from the Orange and Sugar Bowl will play in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl for the national Love. championship. Absolutely. Okay. Right there. There you go. So I think from a from a geographic standpoint, I think that this is what what we're seeing in college football is from a geographic standpoint that makes sense, right? But it's like the decisions that are being made, like USC and UCLA going to play against Ohio State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten. So many of the decisions are being made for financial reasons. Where and again, it used to be like even think about from a high school perspective. You know, high schools would be like, hey, you know, maybe, you know, a, a school like Penn down in Indiana might fit better with the Duneland, but, man, you know, being driving on a Tuesday afternoon to go play a volleyball game doesn't make sense. Colleges don't care anymore. They want money. It is the almighty dollar that makes a difference. Uh, and I think that we've seen, even as far as with the Pac-12, you know, and I've got some proposals for how we can fix Pac-12 itself. is going to be completely It's going to be, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be an FCS conference. It's gone. But I think that, you know, even they were talking about, like, well, BYU could join, but there's discussions being had. Like, but you can't have BYU. San Diego State yeah. will end up being the cream of the crop yeah. in the Pac-12 and, when it's all said and done. And if you end up having BYU and Utah, you basically have the same media market. Right. If you have two schools that are 30 miles away from each other, you'd rather them be in two different conferences so that you're, you know, not basically splitting a media market. Um, and I think that a lot of those decisions, it's the same thing. You know, UCLA and USC are trying to go out to the Big Ten because they want to play against the the Ohio States and the Michigans, and you know, they, they, there's more money to be had out there. I think even you know my old one of my old players, Xander Horvath, is playing out in San Diego, and God bless the Chargers. You know, on a sunny September afternoon how many people are sitting in a football stadium they're at the beach you know they're doing their thing they're they're living their dream in San Diego right um and I think that USC and UCLA see the money that's being had in the Big Ten and they'd rather tap into that um 
I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it makes sense from a from a geographic standpoint. You can, move, I think, you can move teams around, yeah. you know, and, like, and I obviously like Duke. I think Duke being not in that Big East, like there's yeah. some really traditional rivalries. There's but I mean, I'm like sorry, Tennessee. but if you haven't been really relevant in college yeah. football, it's like where I mean, and even some of these that are, are <coughs> haven't been, but yeah. you know, and, and unfortunately not to, you know, like the Mac's going to stay the Mac, yeah. you know, and then you're going to have like the, what like I said, the San Diego States and the Fresno yeah. States and the UTEPs. Let them all do what they have been doing, and, and because none of them are going to become eligible, be none of these yeah. schools. But I mean, right there, are seventy-two teams that I wouldn't say like have a shot, but at least they, you know, they're in the picture of yeah. one, the grand scheme of things. So. I could see, like I know, like that's even just just looking at what possible options does the Pac-12 to even have to survive. Um, None. I mean, yeah, because those schools, I mean, there, there's a literal mountain between them and everybody With else. USC yeah. and UCLA bailing, and then yeah. Arizona's going to the the Big 12. Yeah. And now if they lose Washington, Stanford, the, the Pac-12 yeah. is over. Well, what it will have to done. happen, the NCAA will have to make some accommodations and try to welcome some of these FCS schools and powerhouses back into the fold, so to speak. And then what will happen is, okay, so let's say we open the floodgates and we let some of these FCS programs into these big conferences. Okay, well, then you're going to end up having conferences of 12, 13, 14 teams. So you're going to have conferences that essentially play a closed conference, like you know the, the Summit City Conference down in the Fort Wayne area. All they do is play each other. They right. think there's too many schools. They just play each other all the time. There are no out-of-conference games. So you end up – then you'd have to expand the playoff system. You'd have to have some group where basically every conference winner makes the playoffs and you have some entity that seeds them, whether it's BCS or whatever. Um, but it, it definitely – it opens up a floodgate. I still think that what's going to – the more likely thing that we're going to see first is I think – that you're going to see some of the old big sky teams sort of get invited into the the, the Pac-12, uh, Montana and Montana State immediately like jump to the the front here. North, North Dakota, Dakota State, State, North Dakota State, and South Dakota would be South Dakota State would be phenomenal yeah. additions. But I'll tell you right now, the program that can fix this all, the school that can save. NCAA, Must be FBS a it's football. It's got to be a school that runs a flex bone. It is not. Oh, it, okay. is, it is a team that plays in a little steel dome called the Kibbe Dome up in Moscow, Idaho. Idaho. Let's get the Vandals back in FBS, Home of Mark Slareth. We need you back. We need you back, They Idaho. produced Mark Slareth for they crying did. out loud. The Kibbe Dome is I, – I, I'm partial to the Kibbe Dome because I did win two national titles with them in NCAA 14 on my PlayStation 3. Um, but the, the the Vandals have got to come back. They, they've got to come back. We need you back, Idaho. Come back home. Oh, man. Well, before we end, two things left, and then we'll we'll conclude the show. Um, first off, um, I think a new thing that will – and more news will come later, but one of the things that I'm wanting to bring back here on RC Sportscasting, um, now that I'll be back um, broadcasting high school football, as you mentioned earlier, I've – kind of stepping away from the varsity side, kind of going into semi-retirement, and but I just can't quite give up that coaching bug. It's just, you know, it's, I definitely, it's, I so, feel you. it's so addictive, and I'd rather be addicted to that than other things. But um, So I'm, I'm very excited about getting back behind the microphone to broadcast high school football games. Um, the other thing that I really want to do is bring back something that my dad started over 40 years ago, um, and that is Coach's Corner to where – um, we're going to have a weekly uh, podcast to where I'm going to have you, obviously, Chris Shaw, the head coach of the Niles Vikings, and Mark Fry, the head coach of the Buchanan Bucks, our three area schools from our community. 
We're all going to get together. Each of you are going to get 20 minutes to talk about your game on Friday night and then talk preview a little bit. Um, and then we'll do that each and every week. So um, trying to find a host location for that. I've got one in mind. We're going to keep that kind of on the down low for now. Um, so, But that's in the works, and we'll probably start that as early as, I want to say, the 21st going into week one. And obviously, because we start August 24th will be week one. Um, so that's for that. Uh, stay tuned for updates on, on the Coach's Corner podcast that will be coming up. And then as for you specifically, um, another great thing that you are going to start here is obviously Monday um, it all begins, but you're going to take advantage of, of, the, of the time, and you are going to have, going back to, to old Indiana-Kentucky basketball glory, and you are going to have a midnight madness for Brandywine football this Sunday night at midnight. Absolutely. Yep. Monday morning at 12.01, the MHSAA allows us to start practice on August 7th. So we are going to be there at the first. We'll be lined up in the locker room. As soon as the, the clock switches to 12 a.m., we are running onto the field. We will take the field under the lights at exactly the stroke of midnight. Um, the band will be out there. Not all of them, but a bunch of them will be out there. The cheerleaders are going to be having a practice. We're going to have parents out there tailgating. It's, it's going to be – we want to try to create – we want this to be – again, we are living in the quintessential small town uh, uh, of America. I mean, Brandywine is, it's got to be right up there as far as the smallest geographic district in the state of Michigan. And not only that, Brandywine is an entity that doesn't exist on a map. The, the, the community is the school. Brandywine is the school. And so we just want to do something to get people excited. We know a bunch of parents have taken taken Monday off at work so they can be out there. To they'd have to because, like I say, yeah. I can't be there, Coach, because I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning to go to my job. So I'm I'm going to take a hard pass, but I'll, I'm sure there will be plenty of video on social yes. media. It's a great opportunity um, to remind you all that education is a phenomenal yes. business. Everybody go get go get your teaching degrees. In fact, <laughs> I do have a very dear mom that's uh, she's kind of like my sidekick. She covers it with Sarah Dye. I might even have her be my little representation for RC Sportscasting there. She's done for me other times as well because RC Jr. will be asleep. So I will be in bed getting ready for my work week. But I think that's awesome. I'm really glad you're doing that. Um, and really looking excited. So obviously we're going to wait. We'll wait till our first Coach's Corner podcast. We'll talk about Water of Elite. Obviously that's who you open up with. Um, and we'll, we'll save that for then. But uh, looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, like I said, it's been a great summer um, watching the amount of kids and what you're doing um, just away from the X's and O's. You're, you're implementing so much other stuff other than X's and O's, and I think that's great. Um, keep that up. And uh, really looking, really, really looking forward to this year, to this fall uh, on many levels, not just, for, you know, to be behind the mic calling football games again, but to see uh, – oh, and I – one more thing. Oh. Unis. Are oh, we, that's we, yes, that is true. Uh, uh, when's the unveil going to be? Yeah, so we have, I reached out. I'm not going to say anything. Nope, it's all good. I understand. Because obviously, yeah, we went away from the athletic yellow, and we are now Vegas gold and maroon. Uh, that so, is a, yep. that's not, folks, that is not a football thing. That is whole school. a Brandywine has decided, look, because for so many years, half the sports teams at Brandywine were maroon and athletic gold, the yellow, and the other half was maroon. And they, it's pretty much whoever the head coach was, what color gold they preferred, yeah. pretty much was allowed then to go. Well, now they've, they wanted to consolidate with one color scheme, yep. one mascot logo, everything, and that is going to be maroon and Vegas gold. So, Brandywine's going to start now looking like Boston College. 
Yes, yeah, we'll be a little, <laughs> a little bit more uniform across the board. Uh, but yeah, so we obviously, you know, all of our uniforms were were maroon and yellow, so we had to get new uniforms. Uh, we are, I get it, like you know, we basically we're essentially rebranding. I mean, it's just kind of it, we made the decision that we wanted to have one consistent brand through the entire corporation, um, and the, the people, the higher ups, the the, the the people that make the decisions are the ones that that handled all of that. And so we, as the football program, we have been. I mean, we've been USC colors for decades, right? And so this is the one opportunity we have to rebrand and sort of relaunch Bobcat football. Uh, so we we did, you know, like, listen, it, it isn't about making the, the 40, 50-year-old pe people in the community excited. It's about getting the kids excited. So we have on the, the night of Midnight Badness, we have an Instagram guy, one of the guys that makes these hype videos. He's um, Kellen Hartman, he does the videos for basketball. He's done a bunch of them for basketball. He did a, a hype video for New Prairie football down in Indiana. Uh, we have him coming out, and he's gonna uh, he's gonna do some uh, some some really cool work for us on Instagram. So we'll be able to get that video out for the kids. Uh, but we are gonna keep it on the down low yes. until that until that happens. So, but I, I'm pretty excited about it. So it's just stage one because next year we're changing the shells. We'll have different color helmets next year. Uh, so we're kind of it's a, it's sort of a two phase to three one. Year. Yeah, it's phase, phase one. one. It's like a three year. That so we're the phase one debut is going to happen Sunday night at, at Midnight Madness, and whatever videos are produced of that, we will make sure that we will share that on our on our uh, Facebook and Twitter slash X, X. Uh, pages here on RC Sportscasting. Coach, always great to talk to you um, about football, life, whatever. Um, you're one of the guys we can sit here and literally we're almost been in two hours in, so... Yeah. Well, at, no, I'm sorry. Hour and fit. We're we're approaching the hour and fifteen mark. Okay, so, that's right. not bad. That's not bad. That's perfect podcast time. Yeah, that's perfect, perfect podcast. podcast time. So. Yeah, as I say, the coach's corner, getting me, Mark, and Scott in a room together. Forget football. Yes. We can have some conversations. The three Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and that's going to be three really exciting football teams to watch this year. Yeah, for um, sure. So I'm really looking forward to that. Coach, thank you again. Thank you to all of our listeners. Once again, make sure you tune in to our social media outlets at RC Sportscasting on both Facebook and Twitter. And we will be back. Uh, like I said, our plan is our next podcast will be um, August 21st, which will be that Monday uh, leading into week one of the season. And we will announce the, our location and where we will be talking to our three area coaches and we'll be previewing high school football. It's literally two weeks away. Thank God. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.